You're listening to the Forrester Technopolitics Podcast, inspiring commentary and intelligent insight from experts in the thick of it. Hi, everyone. This is Mike Gualtieri, and I'm here with Christian Kane, who is mobility, covers mobility in the Forrester's Infrastructure and Operations Group, and we're going to discuss BYOD. Yep. It's going to be a, a hot topic, I'm sure, for many. I mean... I know what BYOB is. <laughs> it's my favorite of them. Uh, but, and that's bring your own bottle. Uh, but BYOD, why don't you tell us what that is? Yeah, absolutely. So BYOD, bring your own device, and really kind of a trend that's been growing amongst our enterprise clients to actually find ways to allow employees to use their personal devices, the ones they own and already carry around for work purposes, and uh, just to get connected. Well, I mean, haven't people always been using their personal devices? I mean, people bring their own cell phone in, right? Oh, absolutely. Um, I think that part of this is really it's more uh, official or at least officially condoned. For a lot of uh, employees, I think it's been uh, under the radar for quite some time. But what do you mean by that? Like bring your own device. So does it mean that you're bringing your device as a substitute for a work provided Yeah, absolutely. Um, And so really, you know, the funny thing about smartphones and tablets, which is where a lot of this is centered around today, is that it's employees who are already using complementary devices that they own, Mm -hmm. um, but aren't necessarily those employees who the company feels they should provision a smartphone to. But they're being used as a primary device more and more by employees by their own choice. Mm -hmm. And now it's companies saying, not only are we going to give some employees access to use an additional device and get network access, email contacts and calendar because they prefer to consume it that way. But for some, maybe we should stop paying for these types of devices because again, they already have it, we can secure it potentially. And so let's let them use it and not take on that cost. So the vision I have is that a few years ago, you'd see someone that had their Blackberry and that was their work device, but then they also had their iPhone, Mm -hmm. you know, as their personal device. So what you're saying is that BYOD means you don't have these two devices. Absolutely. Well, you probably have two or three (laughs) devices, but they're not two or three smartphones in general. And, uh, and, you know, something that probably makes a lot of sense because employees didn't like carrying around the two devices. They ended up defaulting to one. So I think if you have two devices that fit or are basically in the same category, you're not going to, there's always going to be a favorite or a choice and somebody leans towards one or the other. And so it really, I don't think, ever made sense from an employee's perspective or a usability perspective to actually carry around two. So does this mean that I have a, uh, I have an Android smartphone and you have an iPhone? Yep. It's absolutely a move to be, let's not necessarily worry about the number of platforms out there or the number of devices. Let's work to be as platform agnostic as possible. Well, I can see small companies doing this, you know, like a a small startup or something. But I mean, are large companies doing this? Oh, yeah. It's pretty interesting. It's actually uh, really, it seems across the board, regardless of company size or region or even their vertical, uh, companies are pursuing this. Now, they're not saying everybody in the organization can get it yet, especially for the bigger companies. It gets very confusing and complicated when you talk about legality in different regions of the world. But um, absolutely. What are the legality issues? 
Well, you're seeing a couple of different things. In Europe, each country has its own kind of nuances around workers' protection rights. If you can track the device or use the location tracking functionality, um, if you can wipe that employee's personal data or not. And so there are kind of nuances in Europe, and each country is a little bit different, that make it more challenging for companies who operate there. Uh, but even Europe is coming around, uh, and then actually we see um, lots of trends towards BYOD in Europe as well. Um, although it's been, it, to date, more, I think, centered around North I, America. Why are companies doing this? I mean, why um, are they trying to save money, or are they just like, acknowledging that people do this anyway. A you little know, bit of both? Yeah, or? it's definitely a little bit of both. Uh, yeah, the cost savings thing is kind of interesting because if you are purely talking about we're not going to pay for hardware anymore and only going to pay for a portion of the services, then, yeah, you might see some cost savings. But many companies say BYOD, and they really mean mobile enablement. They mean actually letting employees use more devices, providing more mobile applications for work purposes and more access. And so if you're talking about a mobile enablement program, which includes security and management technologies, as well as more applications and more and a broader range of support for different platforms and help desk <laughs> moving forward, that's going to be, a, I mean, an investment that a company has to make. And so there's this kind of difference, I think, or challenge that many companies go through. They think that BUIOD is the silver bullet. We can solve our mobile problems and we can save some money. And it's not really the case if you're actually moving to really treat these as more primary computing devices from mm -hmm. So Forrester, the company that you and I work for, we mm -hmm. have what, 1,100 employees? I think so, yeah. Yeah, 1,100 employees, and we just moved to Google mm -hmm. away from Outlook. And one of the things I noticed on my Android phone is when I signed up to get the mail, I had to enable something that said that Forrester could wipe out my device. Yep. Wipe out all the information on my di device. And at first I was like, I don't want to do that. I mean, why would I want Forrester to wipe, wipe my device clean? Why do they want to wipe my device clean? I mean, why do they want that option? It, I mean, it sounds like it's a security option. Yeah, you know, there's a couple of different things here. One is that the technologies uh, well, really, we're talking about, say, Android and iOS, which are the kind of primary uh, platforms that mm -hmm. uh, companies are focused on and employees, too, um, these days. And so really what we see is that they're saying we don't have the technology uh, to really properly maybe secure these devices yet, or we're just not sure that we... Uh, we can maintain the fact that you won't lose that device and lose company information that might be on it. So we need to have some management technology or some technology in place. And then also the employee agree to it because we don't want to get into any uh, kind of sticky situation where you might see a uh, an employee trying to you know, maybe sue an employer or having some issue because they wipe personal data that they can no longer get back. Well, this whole personal data, that seems a bit paranoid to me, given that, you know, email is like the primary mode of communication and that you can email things anywhere you want, right? Oh, absolutely. And there's this kind of back and forth around, you know, are we actually giving more security? Are we more secure in general? You know, did we go and audit 
uh, employees and search their houses for looking for paper copies or something or USB sticks. Um, and so for mobile, it's a little bit of the same thing. And I think more than anything, uh, where we see some of the big benefits coming is just kind of the path of least resistant ways to get data out there. So minimum pins are, are favored so that if someone does find the device, they can't just access everything the employee might. Um, there's also then, I mean, the ability to wipe on data, but quite often and increasingly the technology exists to only wipe corporate data, which will kind of get around that problem mm. a little bit. Are there some companies or some industries that this is better for than others? It gets more complicated for those that are in heavily regulated industries in general, just because they have more compliance uh, issues and to kind of uh, deal with. Um, E-discovery and com keep companies who really do e-discovery, um, and which <laughs> some say they do and <laughs> some say they don't. Mm -hmm. um, but in, in general, um, I would say that those are kind of some of the organizations that we see having a tougher time with BYOD. But ultimately, those same people, financial services, government, uh, healthcare, are still going with B to BYOD programs. And really what they're doing is trying to think about controlling the corporate data, corporate applications more so, rather than having to worry about the data that's on there, the devices that, are, uh, the, devices that the employee might be using um, that are in a personal context. Just let's secure our data and not have to worry about so anything else. So BYOD then, it, it's all about mobile. Oh, yeah. Uh, today, absolutely. Right. So, I mean, P because PCs, I mean, that's another that's another issue. Can people bring their own PCs? Yeah, and we see those as really two separate projects today. I mean, part of that is, I think, at the price point, first and foremost. You have a smartphone, uh, which is, with contract, you're looking maybe around two, $300 right now, uh, even maybe less. Um, and then you see uh, a laptop, and, and a, a decent laptop, probably with a maintenance contract, things along those lines, are going to, it's going to be a higher price point. And it's also maybe not as much of a necessity given that it's not a phone. Or there's more, I think, that comes with having it be a phone. Um, and there's a, been a considerable investment that companies have made, I think, over the years around their PC environment, whether it be images, um, client management technologies, single sourcing with a hardware provider. And they get caught up in these contracts in general, which make it, um, well, when is our refresh cycle? Can we really get rid of all these and transition all employees at the same time? It gets a little bit more complicated. Mm -hmm. And so we see that, although it is happening, and I think the iPad, the iPhone have really helped revitalize Mac and the enterprise more so. Um, and we obviously talk about those and some of our colleagues, but, um, but in general, it's really two separate projects that we see. Are there some companies that come to mind that have done a great job with BYOD? You know, honestly, um, there's actually, I mean, quite a few who have done it um, and who are, but most of them are really just starting with pilot programs for it. Um, one of the big ones that did definitely make the news, I think, recently was VMware, who mm -hmm. just said they're going to switch all of their employees to BYOD. There's no transition period. We're going in a couple of months and have the cutoff. Um, but what makes it a little bit maybe easier for them is that they're a technology company mm -hmm. and they definitely, and not only a technology company, but they have a large virtualization uh, business, mm -hmm. which I think helps in general for not only kind of the smartphones, tablets mm -hmm. component of this, but also for PCs. What's your position on this? Are you, are you like, go BYOD, don't delay? Absolutely. I think that now, when I say go BYOD, I don't mean 100%. I think realistically, for each maybe device component or device type, you'll see a different blend or percentage of BYOD because it makes sense for some employees and maybe doesn't make sense mm -hmm. for others. Like which ones? Like people in the field? 
Oh, field service, absolutely. And really field service for smartphones, tablets, absolutely. But actually, even for tablets, we see a lot of companies rolling out um, their corporate-owned tablets for but employees. This seems like a nightmare. Like, say you have certain apps that you develop, like in the field, and that app is an, is an iOS app. It's an iPad app, but it won't run on Android, so you yep. don't run an Android tablet. I mean, it just seems like it, it's going to get really complicated, or it could get really complicated really fast. Absolutely, and, and really the application kind of front is something that is the next big, big challenge, and, and with data as a just a natural component of that, I guess I'll say. Um, because most firms, they start a BYOD program, and they start with email contacts calendar and they say we're not going to support applications on here we're not necessarily going to provide applications so, so okay so i hear you so it's like oh yeah we're going to do email calendar and contacts and they move forward with that get the policy set up and then we're going to deal with applications when we figure that out a little bit more that that seems like uh, a disaster waiting to happen so now someone creates an application and it's like oh now you're going to go back to two devices yep Perhaps, you know, possibly, if right. it's not thought about. Well, and that's the funny thing about it is part, given that this is technology still very nascent, still very much developing, not only the platforms, but also the management security technologies as, uh, as well, um, and the ecosystem, quite frankly, it's not something that was designed for the enterprise. But because employees, and in many cases, executives have that much more influence and care that much more about using these devices. Uh, really, IT is being dragged along a little bit, um, having to support something they're not quite ready for, or maybe the technology just doesn't completely exist. And so it's really happening fast for many employees where they they say, we'd never do a BYOD program. And this happens in, in many of my conversations. And three months later, I talk to them again that we need to do BYOD yesterday. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and part of that is those executives coming in and saying, we want support me. Um, and then once you have some systems in place to actually start supporting those devices, well, then what's to stop you maybe from supporting All right, well, other speaking employees? of executives uh, pushing this, uh, President Obama famously came into office with a BlackBerry, mm -hmm. right? And w weren't there some concerns about about you know, the secure communication and, and so forth. Uh, do you think the White House should have a BYOD You know, I, I think that ultimately... Um, if you were the CIO, yep. you were just appointed the CIO this, this fall, and uh, would you go with BYOD? I think absolutely they can't, probably, um, because ultimately you have to be maybe responsible for those employees who have sensitive information and it's uh, in the White House you have but, but I mean, quite a bit the, of access. Isn't the sensitive information in the White House, isn't, isn't the, you know, the, the, the formula for Coca-Cola just mm -hmm. as sensitive? Oh, yes. So I would, say, I, I would say that even for executives, it's something where the technology is that new um, where we stand today that you're going to have to be uh, you have to be extremely cautious. And honestly, for those executives, they might be able to use these new platforms in many cases, but they're a bit of a different class. They still get the devices completely paid for, service completely paid for in general. Um, but there has to be concerns around applications um, and how you develop them. And given 
current stance uh, the current stance on many applications beyond I guess email contacts and calendar um, we don't necessarily see those employees using them um, as much or the, the executives it's really only again targeted for mostly mail but you have to be able to monitor those devices and so I I think there probably is a little bit of a difference between national security and, and executives but probably not much in their eyes mm -hmm. in general yeah. um, and so all the other kind of component of this is that there just has to be a training um, segment that really I don't think is is brought up all that much, um, and and you need to be able to support uh, these employees and teach them. You have access to these applications and corporate systems. You need to actually really be mindful of what you're doing, where you're putting this data overall. Now, the you know many of these uh, mobile platforms like Google for example, they're also offering like Gmail and Calendar and mm -hmm. Microsoft also has a, an ecosystem although their mobile has no momentum, you know, cuz they they kind of their restart was kind of late. Um, iPhone as far as I know doesn't have like a corporate email services program. Are 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 the are these really linked to email, calendar and and contacts? Is that is that the platform? I mean, you know, the funniest thing is that although that's the first kind of um, piece that an enterprise might allow, it's not, it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with the email system in general. Um, so it's more about being able to just secure that email um, and actually then secure the data that might be attached to it. Um, but it doesn't necessarily lock you into using one of the platforms themselves. There, especially in Android, there's actually third-party um, email clients that are used. Um, in many cases, also we see mobile device men or containerized email solutions that are used for some heavily regulated industries. So, although employees would very much like, I think, to use just the native email, what they're used to on the device, it's not necessarily um, something that's a requirement or locking vendors into one platform or not. What, what the people you talk to about this, the infrastructure and operations people, are they, you know, doing this kicking and screaming, or are they, some are. or are they the leaders? Are they, are they responding to someone pushing them? You mentioned before the executives. Are they, are they on board with this? You know, it's because I think of infrastructure and operations people. Uh, forgive me for saying this, as wanting a lot of control. Absolutely. And not wanting, you know. And it's been some kind of a yeah. fact, I think, of IT as a whole for a while. It's yeah. IT designs yeah. the systems, dictates how employees uh, interact with them, mm -hmm. and that's it. And what we found today is that employees now uh, have more control. They're much more aware of uh, what technology is out there. Discovery options are better and they're easier to use. And it's a very personal and hot topic, um, whether you're in or inside or outside of work. Um, and, and with that in mind, it, you know, if IT doesn't create a solution that is going to really meet an end user's needs so they can get their job done, they're going to just circumvent them. And again, they're not doing it to be malicious. They're doing it because they have these unmet needs right. um, and they're aware of things that do it for them. So now it's IT either having to come around to the fact that they actually have to support employees more um, and listen to them more, really tailor solutions that are business focused rather than maybe IT focused or control focused. Um, but it, it's something where some are absolutely coming and kicking and screaming, but we're starting to see more and more who really understand that user experience has to be a fundamental piece and component of IT because it's a service organization uh, more and more. And the number one customer is the employees. Do um, are there any technologies that you can put on the phone to make them more secure? 
Absolutely. And most folks don't go through uh, or into a BYOD program without some sort of mobile security, mobile device management technology. Like what, what is that? Like, what are the technologies that people should know about? Well, so d mobile device management is absolutely kind of the first and maybe the biggest one that's come about. So um, good technology, mobile iron, air watch, um, there's a number, there's plenty of them do? out. I mean, uh, and they're similar to client management solutions where they have an agent that will sit on the device and push policy to it and also do some monitoring on the device. So that not only can you do configuration, maybe require a pin um, and set a number of times that you can put in an invalid one, but also it gives you the ability to uh, wipe only the corporate information on the device um, and deliver and, and set certain options around uh, delivery requirements for email. Now, I mentioned, you know, Forrester, we just went to, to Google and I noticed when I set up my phone for my new Gmail account yep. that it said, you know, th the company could wipe it out, but it also required me to have a PIN, mm -hmm. that, you know, that I have to enter. That wasn't through MDM, right? Was that something that Google provides? So, it, yeah, and so a component of MDM or a, uh, there is MDM available. And basically what you see is, depending on your email solution, there actually is policy controls there. So for Exchange, you have ActiveSync, which mm -hmm. tends to be a very mo the, probably the most popular way of delivering. And they do have some policy components there. Um, Google has their own then uh, policy manager. Um, and what MDM does is actually can take advantage of some of those those policies, but then adds more to it so that you can do not only just a full device wipe, but a selective device wipe. Mm -hmm. It's only the corporate data. It gives you more configuration options and better uh, analytics and reporting capabilities, um, and also the ability to uh, block devices potentially from accessing mail based on their version of the platform or what device they might be on. Because actually we see um, still a fair amount of companies, especially again those that are heavily regulated or who are just getting started with BYOD or just mobile uh, enablement in general, saying we're going to probably go iOS first and foremost and then go to Android. Uh, and, and a lot of that just has to do with uh, really some of the fragmentation and just the, uh, the breadth of Android devices and versions of the platform. Mm -hmm. They're not sure that they can consistently manage all of them. Mm -hmm. And so because there are increasing number, an increasing number of platforms and devices out there, companies are really starting small. They're saying, let's get a handle on what we hear loudly or maybe what we hear from the executives the most. Mm. And then go, we'll start there, build our mobile policy as well, adopt a technology like at mobile device management, and then start expanding as we feel more comfortable. So I'm still, okay, so, so now you're mentioning the iPhone. And is BYOD really, does that really just mean BlackBerry's dead? Does it really just mean that, you know, the corporate standard was BlackBerry, but now we're going to go to iPhone? Well, it really means um, getting away from a single platform or a single mm -hmm. device more than anything. Was BlackBerry that single platform? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. It was designed for the enterprise. It was completely secure and the perfect solution for IT. But as time went on and better user-oriented technology yeah. uh, it came out, um, they really found themselves... Uh, really not able to uh, address the needs of the end user. And so historically, IT was the only one who had to make that choice or the business was. Now, well, now the business, I guess, as a whole, um, but really down to the individual employees have much more say. And they're, they're, it's more about now 
giving better options, giving more tools to help with your job rather than giving more tools mm -hmm. to lock down the environment. So BYOD is more of a restructuring and more of a choice. There are mm -hmm. still people who are diehard BlackBerry fans and going to use them at all, but they're never going. there's never going to be, I don't think, a platform that has 90, 85%, 90% of the market share. You think BlackBerry's dead? I think they've got a hard road ahead of them, and it's all of the delays or consistent delays I think that we've seen and some of the execution mm -hmm. issues have been pretty hard for them. They still have a, a large customer base. They're still doing well in emerging markets in general, but uh, you know what it signals is just more and more competition. So we're really going to have to see uh, BlackBerry step up their game in terms of releases and execution timing, but also they're going to have to now skip a generation or they you know, go further, I guess, with their next release to make it something that's relevant. And increasingly, honestly, I see this moving more and more towards applications mm -hmm. where that's where a lot of the value is going to be. And there are some big developer friendly or uh, players, or at least those mm -hmm. like Microsoft, Google, Apple, who has a large uh, developer base um, that really is going to help them in terms of delivering value for the platforms. Uh, let's talk a little bit about Windows 8. Because mm -hmm. uh, Microsoft is saying, well, this is game changing. This is, you know, um, does that have any impact on BYOD, do you think? So yes, um, in a, to a certain extent. Um, so Microsoft has been interesting in that they've had some success in the consumer markets. I mean, really, Xbox is there. Yeah, had the a big Xbox, success yeah, there. Very successful. Connect has been pretty interesting too, especially yeah. after they kind of loosened up a little bit and allowed uh, more people to hack it and give and send out actually the. Uh, <laughs> the integration points mm -hmm. there for it. But um, but they also have, have really been largely enterprise-focused, too, in many cases, and their software um, and, and Microsoft in general is just embedded in many organizations. So there's room to play to both the uh, corporate or IT and to consumers. But they, and they promised an interesting kind of component uh, of that with the uh, Windows 8 tablets. So you have a tablet, you plug it into your dock and your keyboard, your mouse, and maybe it acts like your, uh, your traditional desktop or PC environment. You want to go to a meeting, you just lift up the screen or the tablet and go and use the Metro one. Mm -hmm. Well, they've kind of backed off a little bit from there. And given that there's now two chipsets, one the ARM and one the Intel-based, um, it's going to be a... Um, I think it's going to be difficult to really have a consistent and easy messaging or, or really experience for them. So that's what they're going to have to be mindful for. But I will say there are plenty of companies who are looking to deploy tablets. And Microsoft is something that is already embedded. And there are many IT organizations specifically are, uh, are pretty interested in the platform. So you, you'd say that tablets are BYOD too. So it's really mobile. They're both, I would say. Smartphone. Okay, yeah. Yeah. And it's funny because it, given the mobile device management solutions and given that they focus on mobile platforms, but most of the tablets are built off and running mobile platforms in general, um, you actually you can do the same management techniques with those devices. I think what makes them a little bit, or what makes BYOD different for tablets is, although we do see employees who are buying them, want to use them for work, absolutely, um, it's not the, the price point, um, or at least before maybe the Kindle Fire or, um, or Google's latest Nexus, um, when the price point was 600 to 800 $900, um, I think it was a little bit made 
it, it, it pushed some, I guess, people out of that market potentially. Um, and also, it really, it was a consumption device overall. So we saw it really being used for consuming data, not necessarily creating uh, creating information, I guess, or content. What's the, how does the financial end of BYOD work? Does, do, does, do, do employees get an allowance? So usually like, what we've been seeing is stipend models, uh, basically because you don't want to say, okay, we have a BYOD uh, environment, you're allowed to reimburse up to this amount, and then the company has to process all those uh, reimbursement fees, employees have to submit them all the time, um, and it becomes a lot more of a headache. So actually, we've seen the easiest way, or what many firms have trended to do, is say, we're going to do either a flat rate or maybe a tiered approach based on who you are in the company or your job, how much you need this or your usage. So um, give me an example. So either we'll do a kind of low usage, medium usage, high usage, 35 to 50 bucks is the low. Per month? Per, per month. month, sorry, yeah. So you get reimbursed per month. Mm -hmm. okay. or, and, but actually, more than anything, we see a flat rate. So some, you're either eligible for a stipend or you're not. And BYOD doesn't necessarily mean you're eligible for a stipend. Right, so you're not really, so, so you're not finding that companies are reimbursing you for the cost of the device. Now, of course, most mobile devices are part of a plan. Right. So anyway, you don't pay for it. But what's interesting is Virgin Mobile has come in mm -hmm. and they're creating these really cut rate plans where you buy your own phone. Yep. You know, you you spend 600 or you spend, you know, 350 for the phone and then go with that plan. So it's really not built in. But but you're seeing companies pay you said $35 a month, 50 a month. Yeah, I would say actually the average or that or, or most common the amount that I've commonly the amount that I've seen is around actually 70-ish dollars, 72.50 maybe a month um, for employees and uh, for those that are eligible, I guess mm -hmm. I should say. That, that makes sense because like a smartphone you've got a $30 data plan and then you've yep. got the phone plan. So that that seems to now, if you go over, the company isn't going to reimburse you unless right. maybe you're specifically authorized for it. Largely, it's going to be any overage, any uh, on voice or data is going to be something that you're not reimbursed for. Um, but there's going to be, I think, plenty of employees who really don't get reimbursement at all. Um, the only kind of added thing besides voice and data for those that do get reimbursed um, is maybe um, we have seen some uh, reimbursement for insurance so that if an employee does lose basically if you're giving a stipend you're saying uh, we believe this company or this employee needs this device to get their job done mm -hmm. um, so it's going to be a tool that's needed for work and we don't want them to necessarily oh. be without a device so you if lose they your lose iphone mm -hmm. you're only you know and you're within your you're still haven't done your two years yep you have to p spend potentially $600 for a new phone. To replace it, unless you've purchased Apple Care. Or, or, so we do right. see then compon a component of the reimbursement, either for the monthly insurance you might um, incur or maybe even Apple mm -hmm. Care, so that you there is that kind of, um, for business continuity purposes. So this really couldn't work in the same way for PCs, right? If you wanted, you know, if, if this was, uh, uh, if you extended this program to bring in PCs, let employees yep. choose their own PC, uh, you would have to, I mean, there's a capital outlay mm -hmm. that someone has to make. Like if you want a Mac Air, it's what, $1,100? Yep. And then you need a maintenance plan for it absolutely built in. Right. Is there required software potentially? Do you have to get it maybe with antivirus? Those are some of the things that I think it's still being worked out a little bit um, for employees. And what makes it more complicated, quite yeah. frankly? What are the systems that we've been investing in to manage our PCs? And now if we're going to do a stipend for that, which is a bigger um, allotment in general, and 
uh, you know, more so attached to the hardware rather than ongoing service fees. Um, it's something where, well, are we actually going to be saving money for this because we get such good deals on the hardware um, with our hardware providers? Mm -hmm. You want to hear something crazy? Yeah. In the, in the early 90s, uh, I worked for a company, a local company here uh, called Corporate Software. Mm -hmm. And this is when PCs were just, you know, not everyone had one. And the founder of that company was so um, uh, so pro PC, and he wanted everyone in the company to have one for home use. Uh, that every employee was given a three thousand dollar. <laughs> can you imagine it was three thousand? Yeah, sign me up. Where can I? Uh... Yeah, it was. They they gave every employee a three thousand dollar. You know, if you left early, you'd have to pay it back. Right. But, but they wanted everyone to have a PC, and at that time, you know, three thousand cool. wasn't. <laughs> yeah, you know, that was that was uh, that's that's how much many of these PCs cost. Yeah, I know it, it's pretty amazing. I mean, yeah. to see that uh, back then, uh, yeah. because people are struggling with it now, and the price points come down qu quite a bit. So uh, yeah. it, it would have been great. <laughs> yeah. I would have taken it. Yeah. But um, but in, I mean, in general, it's it's that kind of thing where it really, in many cases, has to be somebody who believes in it that pushes it down in a lot of these cases. But the interesting part about the PC is probably back then, you got your first PC from work. Whereas right. today, you don't get your, most people don't get their first smartphone from work or their first PC in many cases from work. So the BYOD concept is also kind of building on this fact that a majority of, or a large amount of people have one or more devices that are pretty powerful computing devices and can be used. So it isn't necessarily that the company has to be the first one to deploy that to you. It might be that they're the first ones to deploy maybe a new application to you, but ultimately that individual has much more access. And because of the internet in general and just lowering price points, it becomes much easier to just get, in, get up and go. You can buy a server slice with a credit card uh, and a, you know, <laughs> the web address for Amazon Web Services. What's next after BYOD? I don't know. It should be your interesting. Own office, you know, bring uh, your own applications. Bring your, your own, own share. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it, it's going to be interesting, especially because a lot of companies are absolutely pursuing. They basically they want to allow employees to work from home it, because they don't want to spend the money on the office space or the electricity or the cooling for it. I mean, what's fascinating about this too is it, it from what you're saying, it doesn't seem like it's 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 driven by a cost. It's more driven no. by what you said, like the experience. Like consumers, they want that same experience they're getting with the iPhone. And right. they, want, they, want, they want that experience to be with them wherever they go. Oh, user experience or usability is just fundamental at this point. Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's something where we really see it just more and more important than cost ever was or, or has been for some time and usually cost is king and the, there will definitely be elements of that to, uh, to that come into play here but it's much more about enablement and the fact that employees are already doing this uh, IT has fallen behind in terms of technology and the now it's a competitive advantage for those companies who really get mobile, get BYOD or empl letting employees be more um, or have more choice I guess I should say um, in, in their own technology. Now that it's an innovation center, potentially, or at least it's a way for employees to get rid of their own roadblocks and not see IT as a roadblock anymore. Okay, we know there are some grumpy, grumpy, <laughs> grumpy people in IT who probably think this is a terrible idea. Um, what are those people saying? Like, what, you know, what, what, are, what are their cautions about this? They're saying that the platforms aren't secured, that ultimately it's going to go back to a corporate 
owned corporate provision device uh, centric world um, in general. Um, those are kind of the two major points there. Um, are they waiting for some high profile security breach to happen? Well, definitely that's one element. The other element is that a lot of the uh, maybe data concerns for individual employees aren't, uh, haven't been worked out maybe yet in court, at least I haven't seen any kind of high profile cases where an employee then loses a device and uh, they have sensitive, very sensitive information uh, out there. Although I think probably if WikiLeaks and Anonymous have taught us anything, it's that really regardless of what you know <laughs> you might put on for security or w whether or not you have a BYOD program, it's uh, it's something where your data is still getting out there. I think uh, I heard um, maybe it was our colleague Ted Shadler say this uh, that um, or, or actually write about it in um, for social networks where. Regardless of if your company had a social network policy and, and said, we're not going to be on Twitter, we're not going to be on Facebook, it didn't matter because you were on Facebook. Your customers, your employees, and, and many other partners were putting you on there. And I think the same, in a certain extent, goes for corporate data, honestly, but definitely with mobile usage and, and BYOD. Whether you have a formal policy or not, your employees are still using their own devices to get things done, and they're probably still putting your data on things you wouldn't allow them to in general. What do you recommend that they roll out for BYOD plans? Start small or just go? Start small, get familiar with the platforms, start building the policies because they're going to have to evolve. You're not necessarily going to get it right right off the bat. And honestly, the technology is changing so fast that even if you were to say, okay, we're going to roll out a BYOD program for anybody, the amount of applications then that that would move to or the amount of new platforms would make this constantly change for you. So it's more about having the agility, the flexibility to actually adapt to new platforms that might come in, new applications and ways they might be developed, um, and really start thinking about it more around how do we help enable our employees get their jobs done than anything else. Uh, let's get back to BYOB. Mm -hmm. Do you know of any BYOB places around here? Uh, I do. Actually, there's a Thai restaurant uh, really? <laughs> in Alston that uh, lets you uh, ah. bring in uh, bring in your own bottles, and uh, it's great. Uh, it's, I got some hot stuff there, though, so <laughs> <laughs> you might need to bring some milk, too. I, it seems like BYOB was much more popular a while ago, like many years ago. So now it's uh, gems. You have to search Yelp or uh, you know get a good yeah. recommendation to track yeah. down some good places. Cool. All right. Well, thank you very much. Yeah, no problem. And uh, we'll talk to you again soon. Appreciate it. Thanks. You've been listening to the Forrester Technopolitics Podcast. Read more about the technology fuel disruption and join the discussion at blogs.forrester.com.